coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Tuesday was our shortest episode ever. Will this be our longest? No. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including our visit to a Luigi's Mansion 3 preview event. Uh, and then this is the Thursday episode, so I, I can't tease a Thursday episode. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Patrick, it's so nice to have you back in fighting form. Oh, my God. I was out of fighting form. I was being fought by myself. It was not a good scene, One of those man. classic narrative yes. um, setups, right? right? Man, man versus society, man versus nature, man versus himself. That was me. <laughs> and here you are, like, the hero triumphant. Yep. Out the other side. I have uh, passed all the trials, and uh, here I am. Uh, yeah. Also, I have so much respect for you. How's that? Because it's so difficult to say Nintendo Cartridge Society. Oh, yeah. And you do it seamlessly every opening. Do I? <laughs> I feel like nine times out of ten it comes out Nintendo Cartridge Society. <laughs> it's a cartridge. It's a cartridge. Um, yeah, it's tough. But thank you for uh, you know pulling us through uh, for 90 seconds on, on Tuesday. <laughs> do what we have to do when times get tough. That's Look, yes, this is a keep- Calm and carry on situation. Speaking of which, yes, Patrick's copy of Sonic Forces. Do you want to borrow it? You can. All you got to do is email us a mailing address, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And I send it to you. You play it for as long as you want. Maybe uh, after the couple days that I've been sick, you want to give it a little wipe down with some Lysol wipes. That's up to you. I try not to touch these things, but you know, I do. Um, you play it for as long as you want, you send it back, and it is a great experience, even if playing the game is a so-so experience. It costs you nothing. Nothing! It's the magic of the program. That's right. Uh, also, magics and programs leads us, of course, to Super Mario Maker 2. You want to send us your Super Mario Maker 2 levels. And boy, do we want you to. Yes, you want to do it, we want you to do it, and it hasn't happened in a couple weeks. So, if, if, if uh, you know... I, at first, I was like, send us the levels that you're making. If you stumble across a level that's super cool. We are broadening the horizons here. Yes, and this is a, I, I'm making this call at game time here. We had not discussed it ahead of time. I'm saying go ahead and send those I to us. I love it. We have a newfound appreciation for life after Patrick is sick. It's, a, it's basically our own like mini Yes Men episode. That's We're saying yes what? to everything. <laughs> Like the world-famous Jim Carrey movie. Sure, sure. And you're saying that this this episode right. is like, yes, man. Yes, got exactly. It, got it, got because, it, got it, got it. Uh, well, specifically the movie, I think it's called Yes, Man, because there's just one of him. Yes, but, great point. <laughs> but because we're saying yes to everything, mm. we're saying yes to calling our episode Yes, Man. How is it different from Liar, Liar? Uh, Zoe Deschanel is like really <laughs> not age-appropriate for him. Yeah, great point. Um, here's another thing. We are going to be determining the best piece of Nintendo music of all time. But we can only do this with your suggestions. So we need you to either email us or tweet at us with your nominations for the best 
piece of Nintendo music. And we need you to do this before November 22nd. And then we are going to be making up a whole bracket and pitting these pieces of music against each other until we get down to the best one. Now, Mark and I have pieces of music that we would like to see on this thing, but we are disallowed from nominating them ourselves. This work is all on you. That's right. And you can send as many pieces of music as you want, but please put them in yeah, some sort of like, yeah. priority order. So that way, the list is getting large. Right. And we just want to make sure that we're getting at least one favorite from everybody. Right. And this is not to dissuade more people from, from entering. We want as many as we can. Please make this difficult for Please us. Please make this difficult for us. Thank you, Blake, for sending in a suggestion. Um, and thank you to everyone else who has uh, sent in submissions prior to that. Okay, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. Did we maybe do our Fire Emblem spoiler special too soon? No, but there's so much more that I want to talk about. Oh, I'm sure there is. But I can't do it without uh, spoiling it. I will say it's interesting how after the time jump, some of the elements get like streamlined. Um, You're really just kind of like going through it. But man, there's some characters that I really miss after the time jump. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, it's such a good game. I really was hesitant before... The game came out, right? I had never really played a Fire Emblem be- game before. Wasn't super into the idea of the combat. But yeah, I'm so well, and this glad is, I picked it up. This is something that you mentioned uh, during our spoiler uh, episode. Um, and this is not, this does not include spoilers. Um, but that you have uh, started to actually play the fights. Right. Uh, previously, I was doing them. all like uh, basically all auto battle. Now, look, I'm playing on casual and my characters are crazy leveled. So, yeah. you know, yeah. there's not a ton of strategy necessary but it's perfect it's exactly what i want yeah um well that's that's great mark i'm, I'm really happy that you are uh, having a, such a good time with that um i am continuing to play dragon quest 11 s uh, and therefore being bad at getting back to playing fire emblem three houses uh, and at this point i've put about a solid day like a good 24 hours into this game and um i love it it's like playing a season or several seasons of like an anime or a TV show. Um, and the game is so good at breaking up the encounters into like little episodic things so that like I play for like three or four hours and I've experienced what amounts to a complete emotional story with either my main characters uh, like at the center of it or like the characters, the NPCs that I'm encountering. Um, and it's just, it's it's lovely. Um, I, I cannot... Uh, if if you've got like any interest in JRPGs or like Dragon Quest or like any kind of turn-based combat um or even anything with like a nice chill story like this game is so good and I know I've got so much ahead of me still um but man I'm 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 just I'm loving it I'm so I'm really excited to hear you say that one for selfish reasons because I'm looking forward to playing the game yes and two because you had never you haven't played a modern Dragon Quest game. Right. right? The last Dragon Quest game that I played was called Dragon Warrior, and it was on the NES, and I got a cartridge for free with my subscription to Nintendo Power. So I I am so glad you're enjoying this because I really love Dragon Quest, and I'm glad. It's fun to see somebody else, you know, like like a thing that you enjoy as well. Yeah. That you can share that together. Um, And I'm I'm finding, you know, everything, not not everything that I found kind of like, uh, you know, there are some sort of things that are. 
I don't I don't want to say like slow or weird or awkward, but like there there were some like encumbrances, I guess, to like enjoying the game that I found at the beginning that I don't really uh don't bother me now. Um like I've kind of given myself over to the idea that I can leave the characters on uh the their sort of auto battle and I don't have to micromanage everything they're doing. Like, yeah, for the most part, I do want this these characters to just go all out in every fight. Um, or, you know, this one to focus on healing or whatever. And you can set that right at the beginning um, of the fight or just, like, permanently and not have to, like, give them every single command. Uh, I'm finding something similar with my experience with Fire Emblem, and I think it is one of the benefits of, like, RPGs. Like, yes, they have a lot of systems, and at the beginning, a lot of times I find with JRPGs especially that, like, the systems feel overwhelming, and it feels like there's, like, so much to do, and you're, like it makes the game a little less fun because you're just trying to wrap your head around everything. But the more time you give it and when you get into it, you're able to like ignore the systems in a good RPG. You're able to ignore the systems you want to ignore and focus on the elements of the game that you enjoy. Yeah. Well, and also like there, there just comes a point where like I start to trust that like, Oh yeah. When I, I tell the game to auto battle, like that's fine. It's just doing what I would do anyway. And if at any point I wanted to stop, I just push the button and I take over. Um, so like that's yeah, that that that's all great. Also, the deeper I get into the game, the more variety of music I'm hearing, which is good because there's a while where there's like one town theme, one overworld theme, and one battle theme, and it's like all those same three pieces of music for a really long time, maybe like fifteen, sixteen hours. Um, and then at one point you get a boat and you're out on the high seas and that music is different. And the next couple towns you go to all have different music. And I was like, oh, all right. Okay, great, great. I've broken through what seems like an intentionally monotonous first 20 hours <laughs> to get to something really wonderful. Also last Friday, yes, uh, our friend Rachel Chapman, guest on the show, yes. double guest on the show. That's right. Was invited us to tag along with her to a Luigi's Mansion Three preview event mm-hmm. that she was invited to, uh, which we happily did. Um, so we could uh, spend a little time in a building dressed up like Luigi's Mansion, the hotel from Luigi's Mansion, um, and play the game a little bit. Yeah, it was really cute. Um, I was I was actually expecting it to be basically just like E three, right? Yeah. With like the same setup and everything, but it wasn't. They had like an old building kind of in like the uh, Westlake district of LA and uh, made it into a little bit of a spooky hotel with the same dapper bellhop outfits. Oh man. That they had at E3. Love these bellhop outfits. What do you think is going to happen to them when the game comes out? I, oh man, I, I hope they go into a Nintendo get, vault yeah, somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think there were a few people that were working at E3 that, who were also working at uh this event do you think those jackets are tailored to those people i mean maybe not on purpose but (laughs) maybe right like yeah maybe just fit them like a glove yeah maybe um so uh yeah we we took our pictures with some uh luigi statues a couple different luigi statues actually um and uh had some mm, okay snacks um and got like little uh swag bags uh and uh, the swag bags were strange and i'd like to talk about this with you now because we didn't talk about it too much uh there was there's a set of pins uh-huh. which was nice one uh, a luigi pin and a polter pup uh pin uh cute uh, a, a keychain that has like the Luigi's Mansion uh, like uh, hotel on it, also cute. Right, it's supposed to be like a hotel room key. Yeah, um, and then two other objects. One was a, a plastic tube of slime, not branded Luigi's Mansion in any way. 
Clearly, just someone went down to the dollar store and was like, "Give me all the slime you I got." I also, I mean, in their defense, there were a lot of children at this event, like that. This mostly is, yes. aimed at children. I, uh, I don't know what you're supposed to do with the slime. I did you open the thing of slime? I did. It made a horrifying sound, and I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> I also threw it right away because I was so worried that I was gonna like dump it on something yeah because it just seemed like slime it just seemed like slime and i don't know what you're supposed to do with that i also i am willing to bet that if it touched my countertops it would have stained it i was so worried (laughs) such an adult (laughs) terrible thing to be worried about yes but i was horrified at what it was going to stain uh and the last thing that was in there was a little bit of cotton candy which like was it was fine mine was grape flavored Oh, really? I don't know. I gave mine to my husband. I don't actually know what flavor it was. Because I, I ate nerds. They gave us candy at the... Yes. Uh, there I was mean, candy the, all over the place. This tasted like grape nerds. I mean, we're also we're heading up into uh, Halloween here. So it's like a got a little bit of a trick-or-treat vibe to it as well. Also, as Mark said, there were kids everywhere. So like, it was... Look, we're adult men at this uh, event that was maybe at least partially... Aimed at children. <laughs> um, but we also got to play more Luigi's Mansion. Um, In we, co-op this time. Yes, that's right. Um, and also a, a new section that we hadn't played at uh, E3. Um, we played the garden area, which was uh, mostly like walking up a spiral staircase that had been sort of partially wrecked by a haunted plant um, that is being tended to by a ghost gardener. Um, and yeah, we're playing in, in co-op and we kind of switch back and forth and uh, with Rachel too, um, where one of us was Luigi and the other was uh, Gooigi. And uh, yeah, what did you think about the, the co-op play there, Mark? Well, as listeners will know, I died during the E3 demo. Sure did. And the person who was facilitating it, neither of us really knew what to do because I don't think that it happens very often. So I just like walked away without saying anything. So I can I had to find you later crying in the corner. I cannot Luigi tell comfortingly you rubbing your back. How relieved I was. Uh I I don't know. It was just like a way more relaxing play experience that I think like I enjoyed the game way more. It got me way more excited for the game. Yeah, totally. Um I, I thought it was really cool. The playing the game co-op um made it feel a lot more like what I was hoping Captain Toad Treasure Tracker co-op was going to feel like. Um, So, and I mean, the game overall has very Captain Toad vibe to it, right? Like you can't jump, you're um, in in a kind of diorama-esque space and you just sort of have to solve the room with the limited set of tools that you have. Um, And the thing where Captain Toad differs is that it's very much based in um, like camera positioning, um, the camera here is super static, right? Like it, it slides left and slides right, but it mostly like, you know, it's not going to follow you into the the plane of uh, of of play. Um, so like having two people in it doesn't complicate that in the same way it does with Captain Toad. But having two people means you've got twice as many uh, pairs of eyes looking at what's there, and twice as many brains kind of like trying to figure out how to milk everything you can out of any given room. Right, and the levels really seem to like be built for Guiji, at least like the ones we saw. So in which I'm sure it'll be fine in single player, but it seems like a really good game to play in multiplayer, like it could be really fun. It's something that I'm looking forward to trying to get my husband to play with me. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think that that's a a, a great fit. And I, you know, if you're not 
if you're not playing multiplayer, you just uh, push a button to activate Gooigi, and normal Luigi kind of slumps over, and <laughs> a gooey version of Luigi appears and like does all the puzzle solving that he can do. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it also just seemed like, obviously, it's not an overly complex game. No. And so I do feel like having that second person there would just make the experience more enjoyable. Yeah. You know, because it makes it more of a social experience. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think this, uh, this, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Um, but I, you know, it's not going to be like a huge, just like the original Luigi's Mansion, right? Um, that it's not like a huge bombastic, like fun all the time experience. Yeah. Or even one that's going to, you know, slowly open around you like Breath of the Wild. I'm also interested in the multiplayer because from yes. what they showed at Treehouse Live after E3, that also seemed like a lot of fun. The game is enormously cute, no surprise. There was one part in the demo where you sucked up a chainsaw. That's right. Or like a, a buzz saw. Yeah. Like a circular saw with um, how many other saws can Cir- I name? I think circular I, saw is correct. I think, I think I finally landed yeah. on it. But you suck it up and you're like destroying everything in the room to find, you know, whatever goodies or money or whatever. And uh, Luigi... Cannot control this circular no. saw. No, he and cannot. You can see the panic on his face. Desperation. <laughs> he does not know what to do with this whirling blade of death at the end of his vacuum. So yeah, I it definitely made me way more excited to play the game. Because before I was excited in theory, but now I'm excited in practice. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Mark, then you have a, a note here in our, our show notes about Overwatch on Switch. Oh, yeah. I didn't really know where to talk about this. But did Overwatch on Switch bomb? Because I, 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 in the U.S. eShop, I don't see it in either of the bestseller charts. And so I was like, oh, is it one of those free-to-play games, like Paladins, so it doesn't show up here because people aren't buying it? But that is no, not true. It costs 40 bucks. Yeah. So... I don't know. Just interesting. Maybe uh, I, I like, maybe I'm just completely missing it. But. I mean, for, from what I have, uh, you know, it, it didn't review particularly well, the, the Switch port. Like, it just doesn't have the... Switch just doesn't have like the horsepower, or it's just not well optimized to. Yeah, but it run just seems game. like it's still Overwatch that it would at least crack the top thirty. It seems like not though. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Uh, all right, well, so that's what we've been playing this week and a half. Um, <laughs> let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So not a lot going on in new releases this week. Good point. But a couple of items that you wanted to talk about, or at least are bold on our list. Yes. So uh, the 23rd, what was that, yesterday now? No, 22nd. A couple days ago. On earlier, Tuesday, yeah. On, on Tuesday, Skullgirls Second Encore came out on Switch. Um, I was a big fan of the original Skullgirls when it came out on uh, PlayStation and Xbox uh, many years ago. And is one of those uh, fighters that I always mean to go back to, uh, but never actually do because it is, you know, on uh, my PlayStation. Um, so I may uh, hop back in and uh, check out the like new fighters and content there. It's a really cool game. Um, it's it's got uh, it's all like hand drawn um, characters, and it has a really like weird horror not quite anime animated style it's it's dope and uh, mostly plays like a, uh, a a street fighter game otherwise um so i'm excited to see that coming to switch and then tomorrow october 25th the physical version of killer queen black is released as well as 
Pizza Bar Tycoon. Pizza Bar Tycoon, I bolded on our list here because I want to warn everyone that it is not a roller coaster tycoon like with a pizza bar. Wait, what? If you thought that you were going to be playing a game that was like Roller to- Roller Coaster Tycoon, but all of the roller coaster specifics were taken out and pizza bar specifics were put in, that is not what this what game is. What is this game? It looks like a bad uh like mobile uh people have like orders and you just have to like make the pizzas. Oh, so we're highlighting this game to shame it. Uh, I just want I just want people to know what it's not. It is not Roller Coaster Tycoon. It's not Zoo Tycoon. Pizza Bar Tycoon is of a different franchise, of a different game type entirely. And I say yes to that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. So that's what we... Well, uh, those... I'm going to get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Today, we are going to be ranking the following. Standing. Sitting. Lying down. I... I also considered putting leaning in here. Can oh, we yeah. Consider that. Love a good lean. Like, um, do we? I mean, if we want to include it, then we could rank actually how much we love it. Uh, yes. Let's include leaning and kneeling. Okay. And oh, I'm, wow. That I'm, really changes things. I'm putting leaning at the bottom, or uh, kneeling at the bottom. Kneeling, w- yes. Easily, easily at the bottom. Easy, easily at the bottom, uh, my poor knees. Yes. <laughs> I just, even even as a kid having to kneel in church, uh, it was the worst. It was the worst part of the week, and they only make you do it for like three and a half minutes, maybe? It's too long. It's too long. It's too much kneeling. Kneeling, definitely the worst. Followed, I would say, closely mm. by sitting. Okay, tell me why. Because sitting is killing us all, right? Yeah, I just, I look, sitting we don't want to be sitting. Our body is telling us, do not sit down. But we do it all the time. Think of when you are sitting, all you can ever think about is like, I wish I could put my feet up. Oh, yes. And you're, then you're just halfway to lying down. We want to be lying down. That well, is what we want. I mean, that. so that that is definitely true. I have been sick and therefore in bed a lot the last two days. So... I think I'm going to rank lying down lower than I normally would. Okay, because that's fair. I am tired of it. But let me also. It is so boring. Let me also ask you this. Yes. And yeah, that's true. You can't really eat very no. easily when you're lying down. No. It's hard to Mark, are you, do anything. Are you trying to eat a lot when you're lying down? But maybe, right? Because if you're just like, I'm just going to stay in bed. But it's hard to like do anything because you have to like. If uh, you're like sitting up, laying on your side on like your arm, and so like your shoulders hurt and your right, elbows right, right, hurt, right. like none of it makes sense. But I still think it's better than sitting. I don't really like sitting that much. Also, let me ask you this: hmm. when you are awake, don't you wish you could be asleep? Uh, no, not 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 always. We I... are very different people, Patrick. <laughs> well, here's the thing: when I am asleep, I'm into it. Okay. Right? When I wake up. I become bored with the state of immediate po- post sleep. Like, I'm, I'm, I want, I want it to change. I want, I want to get up. Uh huh. So, 
All right. We got kneeling at the bottom. Yes. I think we agree on that. I think sitting is a, a next easy choice. Yes. Um, uh, and so that leaves us with standing, lying down, and leaning. I feel like leaning is maybe the next, right? Right. Because that's, that's uh, all it's of another the half jo- measure. Right. It's it's all the joys of standing, uh, but also like you don't have to put so much pressure on your feet. Your poor feet. Right. Well, then actually, don't we? Wouldn't are we saying that? that oh is yeah. Our no, maybe, topic? That, maybe that's better than standing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but again, it's really what you're leaning against. Like, mm. is it a comfortable lean? Is it an uncomfortable? Like awkward up against the wall, just kind of like. I mean, I, I think I think we had to rule out that any of these are awkward versions of that. Okay, all right, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's not an awkward sit where yes. you're like you're on a stool that's too tall and you're balancing precariously. <laughs> um, I think lean is better mm-hmm. than stand. Yes, I'll, in ideal circumstances, I'll agree with that. So is this is this how it goes then? Is that Neil is at the bottom? Oh well, I guess we'll. Uh, you can puzzle it out. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we were accompanied today by the EBU, your radio orchestra. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So last week we talked about how Fortnite ended itself by throwing itself into a black hole. I guess it didn't really throw itself into a black hole. A black hole swallowed it. Right. Is what it, I was, gathered. it was hit by a meteor and the island tried to defend itself, is my understanding. Which also maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking about Lost or the end of Final Fantasy VII. In any case, Fortnite ended for a brief period of time. Fortnite just like did not exist, but it's back, baby. Uh, Fortnite Chapter Two cool. has been released. It's an all new island with thirteen new like micro locations. Includes water mechanics like swimming, fishing, and motorboating, and there's new weapons and stuff. Um. Way, way to go, Fortnite. Uh, it, it not only is it super cool to just nuke yourself like that, it's even cooler to come back. Like, like that the whole thing had a purpose of like, yeah, and now it's back and totally different. And also, I just really admire the craft of like, we're making ourselves super relevant. Like, everybody's going to talk about us. Yeah, uh, even us. Again, and, even though we're yeah. like still the most popular game in the world. Yeah, we're gonna, just going to still reaching for more those media things. coverage. Uh, yeah, pretty incredible. Good work, Fortnite. So, Pokemon Sword and Shield is out in less than a month at this point. How can which this Which is pretty be? crazy. How can it be that we are so late into this year already? Yeah. But <sighs> as the game gets closer, we learn more and more about it. Um, even continued like, tidbits from coverage that I think we've talked about before, but maybe not in this, like, this specific piece of it. So in Game Informer, the game's director, Shigeru Omari, said, quote, We set out with the idea of making the ultimate, strongest, the best Pokemon game yet, being on the Nintendo Switch, the first time an all-new generation is coming to a console. It was really just every facet of the game. Gameplay, visuals, everything. This was really the theme for when I set out to make the game the greatest Pokemon game. The greatest Pokemon game. Um, I guess, you know, we had talked maybe previously that like they were looking at this one to be sort or the, the battle system in this to be sort of the pinnacle of turn-based combat. Um, and that maybe that won't be the standard that they carry uh, going forward. Um, but it's interesting to hear that that kind of idea is being applied here all over that like, this is the, or they're viewing it as the like best or the ultimate 
you know, version of like a core Pokemon game. Yeah. And I think we have seen them, whether you're happy with the result and results or not, but like really trying to like rise to the challenge of, Hey, this is the first Pokemon game on a console. Yeah. Like a home console. Like what can we do? And we see that in like the wild area and all that kind of stuff where they are shaking up the formula, trying to have it fit like the home that it's on. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, well they actually deliver on that um just i you know i i talked about this before but like you know there's a little bit of a uh like problem with um the like pokemon fan expectations for what what the game are and i'm not saying that those problems are the pokemon fans but like there's a, a disconnect between uh what a large contingent of the fan base is asking for and what the game is providing or at least what they think it's providing um so like i'm interested to see how those things reconcile um against each other and if the game is going to deliver either enough content or enough quality content to sort of uh quiet that i mean otherwise i think there's a little bit that the i otherwise i think there's gonna be some problems i i, I think with that's the game going forward. true for sure i mean i think there's going to be that sort of friction anytime you try to do something new because really what like fans quote unquote fans want is the what existed in the past. Yeah, totally. Um and so but I completely agree that sometimes right either doing the new thing you do alienate the old fans but you gain enough new fans to make it like worthwhile or uh what like old fans once they have their hands on it like it the third option of course is that you just do alienate yeah, your audience just but you don't yeah. like grow the audience um it will be incredibly interesting to see how all of this shakes out mm -hmm. we also got some more information about the wild area, wild area. which is uh, yes the new free roaming area of the game where you can encounter wild pokemon and team up with other players for multiplayer raids cool so uh one of the things we learned is that it's possible to run into drastically over leveled pokemon in this area uh, terrifying which is something that i don't really think you could do before like pokemon would pretty much level up with you as like you were making your way through the game so you can or, never or like, just like certain areas had uh different like level ranges right but i love the idea uh which feels very like mmo to me where it's just like no you're just out in this big area and oops you like oops, encounter that this one's pokemon too big that, yeah. like you sh are not ready for yet yeah that's i think cool. that's a lot of fun uh and from the Metro, we learned that a Pokemon company representative who was on hand for uh, the gameplay demo that the Metro representative was doing estimated that the wild area is about the size of two regions from Breath of the Wild. Uh, and if you're here listening to that and you're like, should I, I should be taking this with a grain of salt. I completely agree because what does that even mean? What's, yeah, what's a region? Is that maybe like, like one, what, like one tower area? Of, yeah, maybe like section area. Also, look, love them to death, but if you've ever been to like an E3 or something like that, the representatives f that are facilitating your hands-on demo like have varying degrees of knowledge about the game, right? They're not necessarily yeah. the developer or somebody intimately familiar with it. So this might have just been a person who was taking their best shot. Yeah, right, I mean, based on their limited time with the game. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the in the for the for the most part, it seems like the people running those things uh, know just about everything about the part of the game that you are playing. Um, but in like a very bullet points kind of way, that's not their job to know everything about the about the game. The, their job is to like 
be friendly and help you through this experience. Um, so yeah, well, grain grain of salt's taken. We also learned from GameSpot that the game won't force you into the catching tutorial if you've already caught a Pokemon before that point. Um, I guess that's wait. If I've already caught a right, so walk me through this. Well, uh, basically in the in Sword and Shield, the way it sounds like it's like oh, you're like introduced to your character and all that kind of stuff. Then you have an opportunity. You get Pokeballs. You have an opportunity to run around before mm, it, the mm. game gets to the point where like you must learn to catch a Pokemon. Right. And so if you've caught a Pokemon in that in-between time, instead of forcing you to got go it, got through it, the it. tutorial, it's just like, oh, I see you've already caught one. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, that's nice. I mean, especially with something like Pokemon where it's like, yeah, it, look, this is the ultimate Pokemon game, but a lot of the mechanics are exactly the same as they've always been. Um, so yeah, we don't necessarily need to be walked through it every single time. Game Freak also introduced us to some new Gigantamax Pokemon, which... If uh, you're just joining us, Gigantamax is a new Pokemon form where basically you can like call on them or summon them, and they are like Godzilla size. They're, They're enormous. So big, kaiju Pokemon, just enormous versions, and only like very specific Pokemon can do it. They seem to all be Gen One Pokemon. I think not necessarily every Gen One Pokemon, yes. but I think it is only Gen One Pokemon mm, that have Gigantamax forms. Um, they showed off a Pikachu. Yes. Gigantamax Pikachu, who is so chonky. Oh my gosh. So chonky. He's a big chubby boy. And uh Dare I say fat. Yeah, fat, and I love him to death. <laughs> and then there's also uh Meowth, who yeah. is hilarious because he's just too tall. When I was uh in college, I was a um I was a residence life advisor in RA. Um, and, uh, my boss who lived off campus, uh, had a dog and her dog had this, uh, like squeaky toy, which was a very long bodied cat, which looks just exactly like this meowth, like a giant sausage with a cat head and like paws on either end of it. It's very confusing to see this I don't thing. know why he has the shape of a Pringles can in it. But it's very strange. I love it. Yep. I love these so much. I'm very excited for this game. Me too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Techland has been sending out themed postcards teasing the announcement of Call of Juarez Gunslinger for Switch. Did you ever play any of the Call of Juarez games? No, I'm, I'm not, not sure really if I familiar. played Gunslinger for if I played. I think there were multiple entries in the series, and I think I might have played one of the other ones. But it's basically just like a um, kind of what Red Dead Revolver was before Red Dead Redemption yeah. like reinvented that series. Where it's just like, it's in the West. It's, I think, a first-person shooter. My memory is that it's like a first-person shooter. Uh, I remember enjoying the game when I played it on PS3, I think. Um, the postcard they send out has like this illustration of a cowboy sitting at a table in what looks like could be like a saloon or like a bank or something with his feet up on the table. He's holding a switch and has like headphones in. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing Call of War cool. Call of Juarez. Uh the official announcement is coming today, October twenty fourth. So we'll, I'm sure we'll know more details about it uh by the time we talk about it. come back with quorum on Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> with a quorum. I love it. Um in their annual report, Capcom revealed that the company's recent successes with Resident Evil 2 remake, Monster Hunter Worlds, and Devil May Cry 5 has led them to an intriguing new strategy. Quote, awakening dormant intellectual properties. 
Now, Mark and I are well-known, on-the-record Capcom fans. That's right. We like their franchises, and if they are going to be reviving old franchises, dormant, some would say, um, we may have some opinions on what franchises should come back. Now, it's interesting because... Or that we would like to see come back. Yeah, because like all the ones that they listed here are, I think like their core big franchises. Yeah. So I guess I don't really know which at this point, it seems like we'd be talking more about like maybe B tier franchises. Yeah. The first one that immediately springs to mind is Dino Crisis. Give me some Dino Crisis. If they could remake the first Dino Crisis. Oh man. Yeah. As like a resident, like the RE2 remake, but Dino Crisis to me seems would be awesome. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. The the original Dino Crisis was so and I mean it seems so like pedestrian and stupid now, but like you had several different choices on that story path to like majorly alter the story. Also, Dino Crisis was basically Resident Evil but on but like replace zombies with dinosaurs. Right. Which like that's a winning formula. It really is. It's kind of amazing that it stayed dormant this long. Yes, totally. And maybe maybe we'll continue to remain dormant. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'll put another one forward. Uh, another one that seems like a, a, a B tier that maybe never truly went away, but if they like recentered it and like did it right, kind of in the same boat as Devil May Cry, actually. Um, but Dead Rising, baby. Um, yes. I, I would love to, because the, the original Dead Rising is such a good game. Um, and like just you being stuck in this mall for the like three days or whatever it is. Um, and all of the, uh, like cool, uh, you know, survivors that you can save or not save, uh, the maniacs that you can take on or not take on. Um, the game is just, it's, uh, such a small open world, but it is like a true open world game. I also really liked the second one. Um, it, it, to me, the parallel is kind of between like Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and then Dead Rising and Dead Rising 2, where I think Dead Rising, the first game, was the more important one. Yeah. Because it um, introduced all these new, interesting ideas, and so it's more memorable for that. And then the second game kind of smoothed the rough edges and maybe smoothed it a little too much, and like the narrative's not maybe as good. But, sure. like, the mechanics are a lot of fun. I haven't played the third one. It's hard to remember. The fourth one was an Xbox One exclusive, I believe, that came out just a few Just a couple years of years ago, ago yeah. Um, but I but it was, didn't, was not well-received. Right, and launched at, like, 30 bucks or something. Like, it, it was definitely uh, not a not being treated with the same sort of reverence as, uh, you know, a new Resident Evil game or a right. new Monster Hunter and game. I, yeah, I would love to see kind of, like, a resurgence of that. Also, uh, and... Maybe this was announced recently. I have like a cloudy memory, but like a new Beautiful Joe. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, one of these has has been announced. Although a little hard with like the original creators not being on board anymore. But right. Interesting to see what that might look like in the modern day. Also, um, there were teases on Twitter from I oh and from uh comi- what uh the developer uh of also Devil May Cry. It's like uh Kamiya. Or something like that. I'm getting it wrong. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, Top of my head. They and him and the composer or designer, maybe it was designer of Okami, mm-hmm. were like, we'd love to do an Okami too, just recently. And it would be interesting to see what like another take on that was. Yeah. Well, and another like callback to a story that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, would love to see another Power Stone game. Um, that 
there, there's still sort of nothing like um, the uh, sort of free-running uh, one-on-one fighter um, that Power Stone was. Um, that game is so good. It would also be incredible to see um, other other fighting games from um, Capcom's back catalog sort of like come back out, like Rival Schools, like Darkstalkers. Um, they've got a lot of franchises that are just sort of like sitting there in a pre- um, Street Fighter 4 world that like never came back, you know? Um, the Street Fighter 4 brought Street Fighter back, and it also uh, sort of brought the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom series back. But that series also has now like dropped away. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it's almost, for me, it's like a bottomless pit of uh, I could just keep drawing games that I'm interested in out of this pit. Um, and also, yeah, give me Mega Man 12. I liked 11. I want another one. That one does feel a little inevitable to me, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, last week, Analog, the company behind the Super NT, which uh, is basically just like a modern Super Nintendo. It plays SNES and Super Famicom cartridges. You plug in just SNES controllers into it, yep. but it has an HDMI output. Right, and the, the, the sort of the big hook of it is that it's not emulating anything. A lot of the other systems that you buy like this... Uh, like any uh, you know, retron consoles, um, they are there's emulation involved there. This is using the actual um, like chipset, the actual hardware of a Super um, NES or Super Famicom to play these games. And Patrick has one. It's super cool. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. There, they announced a analog pocket, which is able to play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance cartridges right out of the box. Right, um, which is cool. They, they, I didn't see a date on when this thing is releasing yet. Um, but it's uh, really cool and like sharp looking. It's it's got uh, four buttons on it, which is a little bit confusing from that lineup of games. Um, but uh, it's got really uh, like high definition, um, you know, high contrast display. Um, uh, these things will cost two hundred bucks, which is steep, especially considering it doesn't have any games preloaded onto it. You would still need. Uh, access to the uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, or Game Boy Color cartridges. Luckily, a lot of those are going to be pretty cheap for like the heavy hitters. Yeah, I I think less so for the GBA games that are heavy hitters. Like I think it still will set you back a couple bucks to uh, get like um, uh, like Advance Wars or um, any of the Fire Emblem games or uh, Golden Sun. Like there there are some really like awesome legendary the metroid games um games on there that uh i I think especially once this thing comes out um will be a little bit harder to come by um they are also releasing uh adapters so you can play game gear neo geo pocket color uh, and atari links and other games um on this system how does do, do have they shown how the adapter works is it like something you plug into it or like you put in the top like a game genie or something i mean it's it's got it's got a micro sd um like uh, oh, uh input, input on it so i i assume that it's like that that it's like a separate drive um and obviously that'll be a separate cost um but yeah i mean it, it'll be a little bit weird if it's like a a dongle onto it but it does make it sense less because the other part of it they're doing is releasing a like a TV dock. Yes. So you could plug it in and play these games on your TV instead of having to do it in the handheld. I think this is super cool. I don't know that I will ever buy one just because I don't have a library of like Game Boy yeah. games that I want to go back to or anything. But I, I love that it exists. Yeah, I, I love that it exists too. Uh, the, the price tag is uh, a little too high for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is almost enough to make me be like, oh man, I should get into collecting, uh, Game Boy cartridges. But then 
what what am I where am I gonna put those? What am, what am I gonna do with them? Am I gonna travel with it? Come on, come on, Patrick. Think reasonably here. At the last Nintendo Direct, they announced uh, the previous Wii U exclusive, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Fire Emblem, or F. What, how do we call it? What is Sharp. Sharp FE. That's, that's right. right. I always want to say hashtag FE. That, of course, is not correct. No, Tokyo... it's an idle game. So <laughs> right. it's music related. The hashtag, the number sign, the pound is a sharp. So Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp FE Encore was announced for Switch coming in January. You could all you can already pre-order it. Pre-orders opened immediately back in September. Um, so a little history on the game. W- like with a lot of Japanese titles that come to uh to the West, there were some localization changes made it, made for the Western release. Uh, they made outfits less skimpy, characters were aged up, they uh, changed some story elements. There was also some sort of like DLC video promo something that was called "To the Hot To the Secret Hot Springs Go," that was removed for Western release. We can only. Wonder what that possibly could have been. What was happening in those hot springs? <laughs> um, so it turns out that the Western, that the Switch release in all territories, including Japan, is based on the Western release. So it has those adjustments made everywhere. Uh huh. And apparently that wasn't communicated when pre-orders opened on the Japanese eShop. So Nintendo, when once like people found out, they were a little upset. Nintendo has apologized and they're allowing for like cancellations and refunds of any pre-orders that were made yeah how how do you personally feel about this mark uh i don't care <laughs> just don't, don't care either way yeah um i uh i always like it when um uh, a western localization will like tone down the perviness of anything uh, that we're getting from japan J- just because i mean like the cultural differences are such that like yeah, I don't want to be playing a game that's sexualizing a 15 or 16-year-old. That's gross. Makes me feel gross playing it. Makes me feel extra gross if someone watches me play it. Um, so, like, just having all of that sort of stuff uh, alighted or painted over feels great to me. Um, so I'm I'm glad that this is all being based on uh, the, the Western localization. I guess I can sort of understand where um, someone would be upset that it's not, like, the version that they were expect I don't know I struggle with this because like there's a lot of um like shipping and waifu and stuff in games that I think is very important and is like a useful um expression or exploration of uh sexuality and sexual desire and uh romance and social uh, like all, all this stuff I think is important but I think there's a way to do it without being like gross or exploitative or in a way that like is enforcing values that are contrary to, uh, you know, what what we view the age of consent to be. Um, so you know, it's a, uh, uh, I I'm all I think I'm always going to come down on the side of like, yeah, let's let's sanitize that a little bit and make it more palatable, um, for a Western audience. Yeah, I never buy into the like Western releases are censorship. Give us the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mark, don't say that. We may as well say, uh, release the National Decks as well. (laughs) I just don't, I just don't. Bring back the National Decks, I think. (laughs) Bring Snyder Cut. Is that real? Is that Snyder Cut real? No. Mark, is that that real? Does it have all the Pokemon in it? (laughs) And they're all wearing skimpy outfits. 
Um, finally, because we slept on this last time, the next Tetris 99 Maximus Cup is happening tomorrow, oh October gosh. 25th through October 29th. If you earn 100 points, you get a special Luigi's Mansion 3 theme. I have uh, missed out on the Fire Emblem theme. I missed out on the Kirby theme for my own ignorance. I refuse to do it for Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh, that's so exciting. I love a good Tetris Maximus Cup. Um, I Look, I've stopped saying that I'm playing Tetris 99 in our What We've Been Playing This Week, but every week I've been playing it. I continue to collect tickets. If there's a specific reason to go in and get a theme oh my gosh is luigi gonna sing the music i to know himself? that's what i'm saying i'm oh very excited to see what this theme is how they incorporate the spookiness how they make the music more exciting is polterpup gonna be there i could go on <laughs> uh mark that's wonderful all right let's get out of the news Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. If you want to write Nintendo Cartridge Society on a baseball and then find someone at the park wearing a glove and you just toss the uh, baseball into their glove and they're like, hey, man, uh, what? And you go, read the ball. And then he looks at it and says, like, what is that? And you can be like... It's a cool show you should listen to. I say yes to this idea. Do it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. If you want to check out the Facebook page, we are just Nintendo Cartridge Society there. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, you can keep that Snyder Cut. And thanks for listening. Hiya, I'm Hallie Labonte from Mega the Podcast. I'm a weekend producer at Twin Hills, a fictional mega church in Broad Ripple, Indiana. And I'm Gray Haas. I'm the youth pastor of our church's teen ministry called Climax. On every episode of Mega the Podcast, we improvise with a new guest comedian playing a different character from our community. Tune in and hear episodes with guests like Cecily Strong. How would you me off? Or whatever? Sorry, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You know what? It's covered in the blood. Rory Scovel. Uh, yeah, I said, hey, we could build houses or we could, uh, we could build our faith in Christ out on a golf course. Eliza Coop. The way I plow the snow yeah. is uh, I'm not doing it by any other guidance except from from God. And Scott adds it. Physics is the proof of God. Wow. Because it's perfect. Oh. Uh, well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We couldn't think of physics. Right. Only he could think of physics. Isn't that right? We're on Campfire Media. Listen to Mega wherever you find podcasts. <laughs>